I would love for you to open up to Luke chapter 8. We have been in a series called Encounters. And starting even on Easter, um, we've been retelling accounts from the Bible where people had significant encounters with Jesus while he was here on earth. Now, we believe here that even now, people can still encounter Jesus today in a really amazing way. And it's one of my favorite things, to hear people's stories about what God is doing in their life, how he shows up, how he speaks. We have a prayer service tonight from 6 to 7, and Man, every single week God shows up and he says something, not just for me individually, but for the group gathered there. And it's a really cool experience. We'd love to see you there as well. And last week we talked about Jesus and the disciples of John the Baptist. And our story today, our encounter today, um, which I have called the interruption, um, takes place shortly after that and even within the next chapter within our Bibles. And so um, let's just dive in. I don't want to waste any time. Would you stand with me as we read part of God's word today and part of our story today? So in Luke chapter 8, we're going to be reading 47 through 49. It's the climax of our story, and it says, When the woman realized that she could not stay hidden, she began to tremble and fell to her knees in front of him, Jesus. And the whole crowd heard her explain why she had touched him, that she had been immediately healed. Daughter, he said to her, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. And while Jesus was still speaking to her, a messenger arrived from the home of Jairus, the leader of the synagogue. He told them, your daughter is dead. There's no use troubling the teacher now. Would you pray with me? God, thank you so much that you are a God that not only came to earth so many years ago to encounter the people that you've loved and created, but God, even here and now today, you seek us out, you pursue us. You are here in the midst of us, and Lord, I pray that we wouldn't miss this opportunity to know more about you, to learn more about you, to experience you, to encounter you in a new and powerful way. Lord, open our hearts, open our eyes, open up our ears for what you would have to say. Don't let us miss this moment. You are so good. And everyone said amen. You guys can have a seat. The scripture that we read by itself, it's kind of a little bit of a roller coaster. We, in one verse we have, oh, this woman has been immediately healed, and then the next, a daughter of a synagogue leader has died. And we jumped in at this pivotal time because it is my favorite part of the story. We'll get there. It'll come full circle, I promise. Jesus is going on tours. He just encountered the disciples of John the Baptist. He crosses this sea, this lake of Galilee. He calms a storm. Um, and we mentioned last week how he even casted out demons um, from a man. And we find Jesus within this chapter, Luke 8, we find him crossing back over the lake of Galilee. He's just going back and forth, bouncing from crowd to crowd, met by an expectant and eager crowd, ready for him ready to see him do something awesome. They've heard about him, they heard what he's done with the storm, about how he casted out demons, they've heard that he is the Messiah, all these rumors, and this crowd meets him in this town, and what a perfect opportunity for Jesus to teach and bring others closer to him, right? The disciples, his followers, his friends are probably like, all right, let's set Jesus up, like, there's so many people here, it's gonna be a good day, we're gonna see healings, we're gonna see miracles, and oh my goodness, this crowd is ready for something cool to happen. And this crowd is so large that it's near impossible to even get through it. Like, how many of you have been to the State Fair, the Minnesota State Fair? I'm so excited for that this year, right? 
I'm so excited for cheese curds. But like when you're like walking through the crowd, it's just so many people. That's how thick this crowd was. And a man, a local synagogue leader who would be kind of a pastor in our day and age, he wrestles his way through this crowd. His name is Jairus and he falls at Jesus's feet. And now this is already interesting here. Because Jairus, being a synagogue leader, would have known about Jesus for sure. Not just because of the great things that he did and was doing even in that day, but because of what the Pharisees, the keepers of the Jewish law, would be saying to him as well. Because the Pharisees were out to get Jesus. They, they did not like what Jesus was teaching. And so, we must understand that having a synagogue leader, somebody that's in charge of local worship and upkeeping of the temple and planning who's going to be teaching what, this is a moment for Jairus as he falls to this teacher's feet who he's heard amazing things about. He knows this man can do miracles, but he's also been told that he is no good and a false prophet. This is a social risk for this man. And he forces himself to Jesus' feet and he cries out for Jesus to help his dying daughter. And at once, we read, at once, Jesus just goes with him. He leaves the crowd, but the crowd, you know, begins shifting and moving and following as Jesus and his disciples and Jairus and his men press through to get to this little girl. Time is of the essence. Now, I don't have kids, and so I can only begin to imagine the urgency that Jairus would be feeling with his dying little girl, the, the urgency, the desperation that he would have fighting through this crowd because Jesus is his last hope. The doctors didn't know what to do. Time is of the essence here, and they all know it, and they're pushing through this crowd trying to get there, but there was another person pressing through the crowd. A woman, we don't know her name, but she is immortalized in this story. We know this, that she was sick, and she had spent her whole life, her resources, her time, her money, all that she had to try and cure her illness. It was a womanly issue. She's been bleeding for 12 years, and it was constant, and even in the tale that Mark tells of the same story, it says that it has only gotten worse and worse. What we also know is that she is ritually, like by the law, by Jewish standards, she is unclean. She is one of those people that is untouchable, that if she were to touch you, you would have to go and do a ritual bath and purify yourself before you could do anything else. Anything that she touched, any bed that she laid on, would then be deemed unclean as well. She couldn't go to the temple to worship. And she presses through this crowd, touching a ton of people, and they all probably know who she is, and is like, ah! I mean, same. But in the account from Matthew, he writes that the woman knew that if she only touched the fringe of his robe, I will be healed. And so she's pressing through this crowd unnoticed by anyone. Maybe like people are like, oh, that's that woman. And comes up right behind Jesus and touches the fringe of his coat. Just, just one touch. And she was immediately healed. 
She she felt it in her body. We read, and imagine with me this woman who is sneaking in to be healed, trying to sneak away with her stolen miracle. And imagine the urgency that Jairus had as a father trying to get to his little girl and trying to get Jesus to his little girl as they rush to the house. Time is still of the essence here. Jesus is still moving. And this woman is like, I got away with it. Oh my gosh, I'm healed. And imagine both of their fear and dismay as Jesus stops in his tracks, and asks, who touched me? The party of men, the disciples stop in their track, looking back at Jesus in disbelief. The woman freezes with fear. You see, a whole sea of people was moving in one direction. Like the state fair, you kind of get swept up with the crowds. But imagine, like, being in line, like, at Sweet Martha's Cookies, you know, like, all this whole crowd pushing through, and, like, you turn to your friend, your spouse, whoever you're with, and you're like, somebody touched me. What a dumb question. Like, of course somebody is touching you. Like, Peter, Peter, descri- Peter answers this with the same disbelief as I felt reading this passage of like, yeah, Jesus, you're in a crowd. What of it? What do you mean somebody touched you? Like, of course, you're rubbing shoulders with people. People are stepping on the back of his heel. Like, they're all trying to go the same direction. Everyone is touching you, Jesus. Let's, let's get going. Time is of the essence here. Like, oh my goodness. But Jesus wouldn't budge. He says, no, no. Someone deliberately touched me. I felt the healing power go out of me. The crowd around him is denying. They're like, I like brush shoulders with you. Sorry that I stepped on your heel, but like I wasn't looking for anything from that. I'm just trying to see your miracle here. And here's where we caught up to the passage that we read earlier, this climactic moment. The woman who in her eyes had made Jesus unclean, had stolen a miracle, and now has stalled Jesus from saving this little girl, came forward trembling and fearful of what he would say. Oh, and Jesus knew. Jesus knew that it was this woman. He knew exactly who had touched him. And she told him the whole truth. She was just like, I, I just knew that if I touched you, I'd be healed, Jesus. Please forgive me. She was waiting for a response, maybe waiting for the stolen miracle to be taken back. She didn't know what would happen. She'd only heard of the miraculous teacher and the things he could do, not about what he was like. But Jesus says, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. This woman who just wanted to Ocean's Eleven, Mission Impossible, her way into healing, was for the first time in probably 12 years looked in the eye, validated, seen, and known. This woman who just wanted to be healed physically was also being healed emotionally and spiritually as well, and as her life changed drastically in that moment for the better, as she began something new, as she was raised and restored to life. Our friend Jairus over here was receiving the worst news of his life. Your daughter is dead. There's no use troubling the teacher now. And we as the readers, as the witnesses to the story, are watching two very different things happen, and it's Jesus' fault, isn't it? 
I mean, if he wouldn't have stopped, this little girl may have been reached in time, or maybe if this wo- it's the woman's fault, if she just could have waited her turn, Jesus wouldn't have had to stop in the first place. And so many emotions are behind these few verses that we've read, and we don't get to see Jairus' response. We don't get to see the crowd or the woman's response. But imagine hearing the worst news of your life and all hope being gone. Somebody that you love, that you are trying so desperately to save, is dead, and there's nothing that anybody can do. We have the relief and joy of this woman paired with the anguish of Jairus, and Jesus finally turns his attention back to Jairus and simply says, don't be afraid. And when they finally reached the house, they continued pressing on. Jesus raises the little girl from the dead something even bigger than what Jairus had ever asked for. And it's crazy. We see this juxtaposition, these interruptions. First, Jesus was getting ready to teach a crowd, ready for something awesome to happen, for outreach, for people to know his name. And then he gets interrupted by the synagogue leader with this emergency, which is well intended of what Jesus would want to do when he's so compassionate and is led to follow him. And then he's interrupted one more time. And this timeline is just one interruption after the other. And man, I hate being interrupted when I'm trying to do something. I hate, I, I have to walk in a straight line. Like when I'm, especially like when I'm hungry, like when I'm trying to get food at the grocery store and like somebody has their cart like right here and I'm like in my groove, like in my lane and I'm like, uh-uh, no, no, no. Like give me my peanut butter. I just want to get out of here so I can make my pizza at home. Or being stopped when you're on the way to do something, like when your hands are full, oh, that's the worst. So you're carrying something heavy and somebody's like, hey, how are you? And wants to like talk about their whole life story for the past two months and you're like, okay, like, let's go. But this story tells us something about God's character, something about how we can respond when we encounter him and something that I've been reading over the past few days that has really shifted my life and the way that I see Jesus. And I want you guys to know this. There's four things. And the first one is, is that there's no right way to approach Jesus. Jairus, being a leader of the church, of the temple, the synagogue, we can assume he was a righteous man. He came humbly bowing low at the feet of Jesus despite his standing with the Pharisees within the social circles and despite what he had heard about Jesus. He asked for Jesus' help. The woman, on the other hand, didn't. She didn't even ask. She just took it for all intents and purposes. But she, by the law's standard, like risked making Jesus unclean. She was not supposed to be in the throngs of the crowd. She snuck up behind him. And in short, friends, we don't have to have our lives put together to not only approach Jesus, but to connect with him to have an encounter with him, to have him even approach us, to have him see and know us. Despite this stolen miracle, despite this interruption at a time so dire, Jesus chose to stop and acknowledge this woman. Number two, when we encounter Jesus, we can't help but change. 
The woman was immediately healed physically, yes. And I know, I know, I understand that it's not always like that. Sometimes we come searching for a miracle, we try to encounter Jesus and not everything is made right in the world. When you said yes to Jesus, when you said yes to following him, our lives were not automatically made perfect. That is true. But what I do know is that the more I spend time with Jesus, the more I encounter him, the more I seek his face, the more I deliberately reach for him, the more I see change in my life. And it doesn't always look like these miraculous healings from diseases that have plagued us all for years, but we can see it even in the tiny ways where we start to have peace in the things that we used to fret over, where we start to find joy again, where we find patience within interruptions. When we encounter God, something in us starts to change, and it's sometimes baby steps. It sometimes starts physically. It sometimes starts with our hearts. But when we encounter God, we can't help but change because we are going to start to reflect him and be more like him, to be restored, to be healed, to be renewed. We can't help but change. Number three, when we encounter Jesus, he doesn't just give us what we ask for. He gives us what we need. How many times has God ever given you exactly what you've asked for? I can count one time in my life, and it wasn't even in the way that I wanted it, right? The woman did not want to be publicly acknowledged. Otherwise, she would have come to the feet of Jesus and asked. She would have stayed she would have immediately spoken up about her healing. She didn't want Jesus to even know what she was doing. But what the woman did not yet understand is that Jesus didn't just want to leave her physically healed. But he wanted to restore her. He wanted to restore her worth, her self-esteem, even her own standing among the people that she was around. She was known. Like I said, the people knew that this woman was struggling for years and unclean. And if Jesus wouldn't have said anything, she would have still been looked at that way. But then, when Jesus publicly acknowledged that she was healed, that she was known by the God who created her, people could also start to restore their relationships with her. She could start to restore her relationship with even her own self. And even Jairus, who came to Jesus in faith, hearing of him from the Pharisees, needed to know that this Jesus guy was not just another teacher, not just another traveling preacher that could do miracles, but he was the Messiah that had power over death. Sometimes when we reach out to Jesus, it doesn't look like what we wanted to. Sometimes it involves being in the spotlight when we are terrified of attention, being put on the spot, being called out for things that we are doing. Sometimes it requires hard things, hard conversations, but the Lord knows our hearts. He knows our desires, and more importantly, he knows exactly what we need better than we do. And it's not our plans. It's not our paths that we must necessarily take, but it is his. Jesus gives us exactly what we need, even when we can't see it. Number four, lastly, other people's miracles don't take away from our own opportunities. I love this story for the tension that it brings out in Jairus. We don't hear about his reaction within the scriptures to the news of his daughter's death, 
but parents in the room can begin to understand what that would mean. And if we look at it, it would be justifiable to blame Jesus or the woman and to be upset and to be mad, right? He stopped. She caused this interruption that costed the daughter's life, and yet she was healed for it and told to go in peace. Like, uh uh-uh. This was my moment. This was my miracle. This was my daughter that you were supposed to help. But Jairus didn't even know yet that there was still hope. There was still time and still power. It wasn't just, it just wasn't his own. He had to take all of his faith at that moment and put it into the hands of Jesus. He had to take not only his daughter's sickness, but his daughter's life and put it into the hands of Jesus. And miracles still happened. I know many of you in the room are struggling with one thing or another, and the lies of comparisons can trick us into thinking that we deserve something over somebody else. Sometimes we look at somebody that is changing, that is getting transformed. We hear about their encounter with Jesus, and we're like, where's mine? What about me, God? Or in the reverse, sometimes we hear about an amazing story of somebody getting miraculously healed or somebody struggling with something, and we go, oh, of course, Jesus, you need to heal them. My problems are too small for you. But friends, the power that God displays in the stories and testimonies of our friends, the stories and testimonies that we've been studying over the past three weeks, the stories and testimonies even in your life is the same power that is working within us now. There is enough power to go around. Sometimes we limit God and saying, oh, he can probably only do one miracle at a time. Not uh uh Our God is omnipresent. He is everywhere. He is all-knowing. He is all-powerful. He is all-good. Even when we watch somebody thrive, when we're facing our own struggles, we can hold on to the hope that our God is enough, that our God is trustworthy, that he knows exactly what we need. And sometimes we just have to be patient and put our faith in his timing. Because as we have seen in this story, it's very different than what we usually expect. It's much different than what we desire or think that we even need. Worship team, you can come up. What I want to challenge you with this morning is this. Let's take some time to see where God can interrupt our lives. Where we can lean into his timing. This interruption for the, that the woman caused blessed her, but it has blessed Jairus more. He got to see God's power in a new way that he wasn't even expecting. Let's not wait for the last moments, the last resorts to put our trust in him. Let's not wait to be perfect or righteous or holy people to encounter God, to approach him. What would it look like for you to deliberately reach out to him? Jesus was in a huge crowd of people that followed him, that wanted to hear his teaching, that wanted to see him move, and they were constantly touching him. How often do we church how often do we just brush our shoulders with Jesus when we walk into this room how often do we walk in here intentionally seeking out an encounter with God 
wants to acknowledge you. He sees you. He knows when you are reaching out. How often do we waste these Sunday mornings passing by and watching other people have these encounters and interruptions with God? Don't let this Sunday be where you merely step on the back of his heel. Let this be a Sunday where you find healing in his wings, where you find healing even just one touch of his cloak, where you can say that God turned to you and saw you and said, your faith has healed you. Your faith has made you known to me. Your faith is powerful and you may go in peace. Our God is the living God, friends. He's not dead. He's not just an idol. He's not just the wooden crosses that we see in churches. He lives. He breathes. He's alive today. He moves and encounters us in powerful ways. He is the God of interruptions and of perfectly horrible timing, as I like to put it. And friends, he wants to show up and interrupt your day today. Some of you walked in, just gone, yeah, it's church. This is what we do. Some of you walked in here for the first time, not even knowing what to expect. Some of you have walked in carrying heavy things. And friends, I believe that God wants to show up and interrupt you today. He wants to stop in his tracks and look at you. He wants to stop you from sneaking off before he can tell you what he thinks, what he knows, what he's doing in your life. He wants to give you the opportunity to reach out and encounter him today. Would you stand with me as I pray? We're going to go into one more song. But God, I thank you that you are the God of encounters, that you are the God of interruptions, that you don't let us just live life idly by lord you put things in our midst you put yourself right in our faces where we cannot deny that it's you but god i pray that you would open our eyes to see where you are trying to interrupt us today that you would open our hearts to see you moving jesus i pray that you interrupt us in our lives where we need to see where you're working you interrupt us in our lives so we can see what we are doing wrong, that you interrupt us so that we can turn our hearts, our focus, our attention back to you. God, I pray that we would believe that you are the God of miracles, that you would give us the faith like the woman who just wanted one touch from you and she knew without a shadow of a doubt that she would be healed. God, I pray that we could just have the faith of that woman. Lord, I pray that we could have the faith of Jairus that despite what we have heard or seen of you, what, despite what we have experienced, we can come humbly to you and ask for what we need and trust that you are going to give it to us. God, I pray that we can trust other things in our lives. We can give them to you because we know you are the God of miracles and of healing and the God of perfectly horrible timing. Jesus, I pray that today you would even interrupt us in the next few moments and speak to us in a new way that we can encounter you in our story, our testimony, your words will be just another story in the list of how you have encountered the people that you have loved so much. In your name we pray, amen. We always want to give people an opportunity to respond to the message of Jesus, maybe even for the first time, or for some of us, 
to come back. And maybe you have wandered away. Maybe you had a spiritual experience with God a long time ago. Uh, but you know that you just simply are not in the spot where you need to be. And with no one looking around here for just a moment, how many in this place would just simply say, and maybe you're watching online, you're included in this, but how many would just say, uh, I, I need to respond to Jesus today. I need to give him my life, or I need to come back. Uh, I, I need to make him Lord. Uh, I want to give him my life and respond to him today. If that's you, will you just will you just show me a hand? I just want to pray for you. Anyone in this place that would just say, yes, that's me. Thank you. Thank you. If you're online right now, you can hit respond or raise a hand or whatever this looks like. There might be a link if you're on Facebook, you can click. We want you to respond as well. So everyone in this church and everyone online, will you just, will you just say a prayer with me? Uh, pray this with us. Pray, Father God, I give you my life. Thank you for sending Jesus to die for me. Forgive me of my sins and change my life. In your name I pray. Amen. Amen. Come on, can we put our hands together? Let's celebrate that. God, we thank you. God, we worship you. All right, God, as we walk out these doors today, I pray that you would truly fill us in ways like never before, that you would help us and teach us, and God, that we would tell people your story and show people your love. Challenge us, change us, move us forward, we pray, and it's in the powerful, life-changing name of Jesus. Uh, and everybody said...